Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we pray now that you would bless the preaching of your word. Lord, we ask that you would anoint me and empower me to bring the message. And Lord, I pray that you would bless and anoint each one of us to hear and receive and respond to your truth this morning. Pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. As we conclude this um, sermon series on rest, we conclude it with this beautiful passage from Matthew this morning. And so I was praying, Lord, what would those women have felt like? How would that have felt when they had Jesus crucified and they were waiting and not sure? And um, so I had this memory that came to my mind of getting lost at Six Flags Over Texas. Now, this, can, this is really pales. Any analogy is just for teaching purposes, and it doesn't nearly do justice to what the women went through. But I was a little kid, and um, our family was meeting my aunt and uncle and our two cousins from California, and we were meeting in the middle, kind of, so we were meeting in Texas. And we went to Six Flags Over Texas. And so it was kind of a family reunion. We were all excited. And um, I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I was old enough to read. So, um, you know, maybe seven or eight, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, this might give you a little clue about my personality. Um, but I like certain treats, and um, more so than other treats. And so our family, it was time that everybody was going to get a snack, and then we were going to go watch, I think it was the Dolphin Show or something. And I actually like those shows better than the rides. And so um, I was really excited to get a snack and then go to the Dolphin Show. And um, so, but they all were wanting something like Dipping Dots, and I wanted something like an Orange Julius that wasn't sold at that little stand. And so my mom, I said, please, I want this. I don't want that. And so my mom said, here's some money. Go get it. But then you stand right by this sign and wait for us to come. So I went and got my snack. And then I went and stood by that stand, that sign and waited for the family to come so that we would be ready to go to the dolphin show. And I waited and I waited and I'm looking around and I'm like, where's my family? Where's my family? And they didn't come. Well, my family, it took them, um, they went down to the other part of the park, and they got seated in the stadium, and were waiting for the show to start, and my mom did a head count. Now, there were three of us and two cousins, so there were five. And I'm not blaming my mom, but I just wonder, why did it take so long to do a head count? But anyway, so they did a head count, and where's Gina? Where's Gina? Has anybody seen Gina? No, no Gina. And so um, then they went to look for me. Well, I had been standing by the sign, and I was starting to get scared. And anyway, and I thought, where is my family? And so then I'm looking at the sign, and I'm trying to read the map, and, you know, the map, and it'll have, like, a you are here, you know. So I found the you are here. And then I'm trying to memorize the way to get, and I thought, well, I could go to where that dolphin show is. 
And so I'm looking, and, you know, there's all these curvy paths and all, and then I just look up and look around, and immediately it was just terrifying because it's like, this does not look like the picture in the map. Everything in 3D is different than flat, right? And so um, I started to walk a little bit, and then I remember my mom saying, stand by that sign. So I went back to the sign, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And then I remembered something else my mom had taught me. She had said, if you ever get lost from us, look for somebody with a badge and tell them that you're lost, and they'll take you to safety or they'll help you find us. So I looked around, and there was somebody that was cleaning up because they keep those amusement parks so nice and tidy usually. And so anyway, so um, I got all my courage. And anyway, and I said, I um, am lost. I don't know where my family is. I don't have any money. I don't drive, you know, like I was just like, I don't know where I'm going to live the rest of my life. Like, you know, like everything was flashing through my eyes. Like, you know, like, I, you know, what does a kid have? You don't have a house. You don't have a car. You don't have a job. You don't have clothes. I mean, your family is supposed to take care of everything. And my family did take care of me. And so anyway, so I explained this to the person. I'm crying. And they take me to this little um like a little shack and the nurse station is one end and then lost children are in the other. And um, anyway, so I'm waiting and I'm just watching that door, watching that door. And finally the door opened and my mom and that came through and I was like, mom. And anyway, and we were reunited and then she said, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you, you know, I told you to stand by that sign and I forgot to come and get you, you know? Well, Jesus didn't forget the Marys, but I think they had that angst of like, where is he? Where is he? Because he had brought peace, and then all of a sudden, when that is interrupted, when he's gone, where is their sense of peace? Where is their sense of provision? Um, And the Lord had been bringing peace from the kingdom Jesus had all the way through as he had been here he was demonstrating the peace the shalom setting things right everywhere he went when there were sick people he went up and he helped them and he healed them when there were people that were struggling with demons he cast them out when people were hungry and there was the need for food he multiplied the food and fed everyone the Lord was bringing peace on earth He had been bringing that peace. He had brought the peace to Mary Magdalene, one of the women mentioned in this text this morning. What had been her situation? She had evil spirits, and he had driven them out. And she was so grateful that she followed him. For the rest of the time in his ministry, she was one of the disciples along with the men There were women that followed as well. And so Mary Magdalene had experienced the peace. Well, who's this other Mary? Mary, the mother of James. We don't know that much about her, but we do know this. We know that she had helped support Jesus' ministry, that whatever he had done and whatever she had seen in the peace bringing that Jesus brought, she wanted to devote her life and her security to following him. And being part of his ministry. And so suddenly when Jesus is crucified and they're separated, there's this instant lack of peace. Well, what do they do? 
it says, after the Sabbath day, they went. So what did they do on the Sabbath day? They returned back to what those initial instructions Jesus had taught them, that they were to rest on the Sabbath. Because that's what God had told them all along. Just like my mom said, go stand by that sign, and then if you ever get lost, tell someone. Well, God's people have been told, on the Sabbath you rest. And what is that rest? It's focusing on the Lord, allowing God to restore and replenish and refocus your heart and your mind. And so they hadn't understood the circumstances but they had participated in Sabbath. They had gone back to what do I know is true? What do I know God has said he would send a deliverer? Maybe even they remember Jesus saying that he would rise on the third day. Those are the kinds of things God, when he has our attention, when we quit doing all the activities and spend time with him, he reminds us of his word. He teaches us. And so... In their grief, they were able to rest on the Sabbath, trusting that God was in control and would somehow keep his promises. It's been said that trust is building a stronger faith muscle each time we circle around an issue bringing undesirable news. So faith, building a trust muscle. And so every time that we're confused, and I say this is an example for all of us in the world, whatever we're facing, go back and Sabbath. Go back and reflect on God's truths because God is building a faith muscle. Even as we wait on Jesus' return, where he's building a faith muscle. All right, so the women go to the tomb. Friends, it took courage for those women to go out and go to that tomb. They had to go and face the Roman guard. Those were the people that had just put their Jesus to death. And now... Some of those troops were guarding the tomb. They had to go and encounter the very ones who at their hands had killed Jesus. It took courage to be aligned with Jesus when they knew that the Pharisees and all the legal experts were opposed to Jesus and had been shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Perhaps they remembered that Jesus had told them to love and forgive their enemies. Maybe that helped boost their courage to go but whatever it was it was love and it was faith that causes them to go and look for Jesus to go to the tomb they were met by a kingdom messenger the supernatural power of the kingdom of God comes in the form of an earthquake the earth shakes and then suddenly there's a messenger there And the angel opens the tomb for the women to be able to see. He doesn't open the tomb for Jesus to get out. Jesus rose from the dead. He did not need any help getting out of that tomb. He opened the tomb so the women could see the evidence. And the angel of the Lord, he gave four messages to the women. And it helps us understand the resurrection when we see those messages. Now, I want to first tell you that the angel, I want to point out, he spoke to the women. He did not speak to the guard. To the women, he said, don't be afraid. If we're pursuing Jesus, we'd never have to be afraid. 
The angel said, he isn't here. He is risen. What wonderful news. There, he's helping them understand what's happening here. He says, come and see. Come check out the evidence. Go in the tomb and look for yourself. Become an eyewitness. You'll see he's not here. And then he says, go and tell. Go and tell the others that they'll see him too. He enlists those women in mission, and he calls them to take a step of faith to go and to tell. And what do they do? They act in faith, and they go. They go right away. On the way, they're reunited with the king himself. Jesus, I think, loved them so much, I don't think he could wait until Galilee. I think he wanted to reveal himself right there. And their response, when I thought about, I was looking for a picture of reunited, and so often it's that, you know, those hugs. I saw lots of hugs in pictures. But this, they're being reunited. There's something unique about the way they respond. It isn't one of those bear hugs. They drop down. They do something. They're filled with joy, but it's not the same as when my mom walked in and I was reunited with her. They worshipped him because he's God. They bowed down. They bowed down, and that's an act of reverence to a king or somebody that's in high power. They're bowing at his feet, and they're touching him. There is an intimacy and a closeness. Jan, even as you prayed, you know, inserting our name, yes, there's that intimacy. But Jesus comes and meets them, and they can touch him. He's raised from the dead. He's there full, full life, and they're reunited with the king. And what does he say? Greetings. Don't be afraid. All is well. It's good between you and me. That's what that means. Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. All is at rest. Everything's peaceful. Everything's been dealt with at the cross. There's no fear in our relationship with Jesus. There's no fear in the relationship. There's a fear in the fact that they just encountered the supernatural that they didn't understand. And so it does say that they were afraid. But it's that same thing as I had been afraid of what had happened with my parents. But they were still living. They just were in a different place. And we were reunited. So there was that fear of what they had just gone through. But there was no fear of um, condemnation or judgment or getting in trouble. Because they were on a good relationship with Jesus. Now, this is a quote, and I think it's worth thinking about. It is by what Jesus conquers that Christ's power is to be discovered. Jesus conquered death. Jesus, it says in um, that passage that Pastor Jalisa read this morning, that he'll swallow up death permanently He'll wipe away the tears from every face and remove his people's disgrace. So Jesus conquers death. Jesus conquers our tears, every pain, every sorrow. Jesus conquers. And he covers 
and conquers our disgrace, our sin and our shame problem is conquered. That's what he conquers, that Christ's power is to be discovered. So we see he is powerful over everything. He's powerful over every one of our enemies, everything that comes against us. And he is eternal. He's risen. He's, his kingdom is forever. It's not temporary. It's not come and go. It's always. And he says to them, go tell the other disciples. They're going to see me too. They're going to have the same joyful reassurance. We're going to have the same reunion. Now, there were people that were not having the same reunion, and that's on either side of this passage in Matthew. So in Matthew 27, right before the women go to the tomb, well, the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were not having a peaceful Sabbath. What they were doing is they were having political meetings with Pilate. And they go to him and say, Sir, we remember that while Jesus was still alive, that deceiver said, After three days I'll rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception would be worse than the first. And so Pilate issues a guard. And so there's no rest for the chief priests and the Pharisees because they're troubled when they start remembering Jesus' words. They spend their day frantically trying to get the Roman guards to guard the tomb so that nobody can get in. They were busy fighting what they called deception. Now, the Roman guards didn't get any rest either because if you get put on watch, you're there 24-7 and you have to stay alert at all times because if you fail in your mission, it's the death penalty. And so there is no rest and there is no peace for those Roman guards either before the resurrection. Now, after the resurrection, there's no peace for the chief priest and the elders after the resurrection because it tells us what happens after this, after Mary and Mary encounter Jesus. Oh, they, the news gets back to the religious leaders that the stone's been rolled away, the guards fell down as dead, and so deception breeds more deception in the Jewish leaders, and they resort to bribery to have the Roman guards falsely say that Jesus was taken away and stolen. The guards had no rest either. They had great reason to fear because, as I said, if they failed in their mission to guard that tomb, it would be the death penalty. So they're facing the death penalty for failing in their mission. They fell asleep on the job. If they did, they would be in trouble They agreed to take a bribe because here they are between a rock and a hard spot. They're either going to face the death penalty or they're going to take a bribe and trust that the religious leaders will have their back if news gets back to their um, headquarters. Well, how would you feel if the Jewish leaders kill their own that they call the king of the Jews? They kill their own. Are you going to trust them who really don't like you and have the Roman Empire there? You know, who... The Roman guards are going to have to trust those religious leaders. And so they're 
there's no rest for them, but they take the best of the options and they think, well, I'll take the bribe money, say what you want me to say, and then we'll see what happens. They also had to, try, had to deal with their own feelings. Can you imagine being a strong, like the strongest, bravest of them all? You're a Roman guard and suddenly something happens that is so white and bright and powerful that you just fall down like you're dead. Like, they had to try to reconcile that. I'm sure that they were wrestling. What just happened? What just happened? And is it possible and is it true? And if it's true that that was Jesus and we killed him, they weren't having any peace and rest at all following the resurrection. Psalm 98 says, The Lord demonstrates his power to deliver. In the sight of the nations, he reveals his justice. He remains loyal and faithful to the family of Israel, all the ends of the earth, see our God deliver us. And so certainly what happened in that space is that God's power and his deliverance was on display not only to the Jewish people but to the Romans. And this story goes on and on so that the whole earth hears this story of God's deliverance. He makes his power known. And it comes down to this. You've got to have a view on Jesus. Who is he? Is he the resurrected king or isn't he? There's two views. And the first one would be that they oppose Jesus as king. The deceptions that the religious leaders referred to, what was the first one? That Jesus was the Jewish king. And the second one would be that he was the resurrected king. Well, certainly, they didn't believe that Jesus was the king of the Jews. But they didn't deny the resurrection. They tried to cover it up. Because still, they did not want to acknowledge Jesus as king. They're opposing Jesus. And they're actually the ones that are deceived and deceiving others. And the fruit of opposing Jesus is that you're fearful that you have no rest at all, and there's no joy. I want to say that they're like lost little kids who instead of trying to follow instructions of the parents are just going to all of a sudden, well, I'm lost, and so I'm just going to make my own way, and I'll just get back, and I know, you know, Jesus isn't the king, and we'll just figure out, we'll make our own rules, we'll find our way. They're lost, they're confused, they're deceived, and you know it's preposterous. They're not going to find any other way to, to peace and hope and joy except by acknowledging who Jesus is. But that's the way of lies and that's the way of opposing Jesus. The other view is accepting and following Jesus as king. The belief and the truth is that the eyewitnesses saw that he was king and that he was the resurrected king. And the fruit of that was joy and peace and hope, not just for then, but for eternity. They were like the little kids at the park that when Jesus came back and was resurrected, all of a sudden everything was set right. Their greatest need for shalom and peace was fulfilled, and they knew that this would be a forever because he had just won the victory over death. Finding rest and joy It's what each of us is searching for. And I want us to listen to the story of Lee Strobel. It's just a short little video. 
somebody that was adamantly opposed to Jesus. And let's listen to what he found in his life. In my background, I was in journalism and law. I tend to be a skeptical person. I was a legalist. But for most of my life, I was an atheist. I thought the idea of an all-loving, all-powerful creator of the universe, I thought it was stupid. In my background, I was in journalism and law. I tend to be a skeptical person. I was a legal editor of the Chicago Tribune. So I needed evidence before I believed anything. One day, my wife came up to me. She had been agnostic. And she said after a period of spiritual investigation, she decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. And I thought, you know, this is the worst possible news I could get. I thought she was going to turn into some sexually repressed prude who was going to spend all her time serving the poor and skid row somewhere. I thought this was the end of our marriage. But in the ensuing months, I saw positive changes in her values, in her character, in the way she related to me and the children. It was winsome. It was attractive. And it made me want to check things out. So I went to church one day, uh, maybe to try to see if I could get her out of this cult that she's gotten involved in. But I heard the message of Jesus articulated for the first time in a way that I could understand. That forgiveness is a free gift. And that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that we might spend eternity with him. And I walked out saying, I was still an atheist, but also saying, if this is true, this has huge implications for my life. And so I used my journalism training and legal training to begin an investigation into whether there's any credibility to Christianity or to any other world-based system. I did that for a year and nine months, until November the 8th of 1981. And on that day, I realized that in light of the torrent of evidence flowing in the direction of the truth of Christianity, it would require more faith for me to maintain my atheism than to become a Christian. Because to be an atheist, I would have to swim upstream against this torrent of evidence pointing toward the truth of Jesus Christ. And I couldn't do that. I was trained in journalism and law to respond to and so on that day, I received Jesus Christ as my forgiver and as my leader. And just like with my wife, my life began to change over time. My values, my character, the purpose of my life began to be transformed over time. In a way that, as I look back, I can't imagine staying in the path I was on compared to the adventure and the fulfillment and the joy of following Jesus. And so, even as Lee Strobel recognized and came to grips with the truth of who Jesus is, for each one of you that have um, heard Jesus call you, that you've read this book, you've heard the stories, and you say, it's true, it's true. He greets you this morning. He greets you, and he says, don't be afraid. The Lord... He calls us each 
to think about who is he to us? Are we ones that he would greet and say, don't be afraid? What do we believe of Jesus? Do we believe what he said? Come and see. He's risen. He's not here. When we know he's risen, we know that there is nothing that's going on in our lives that he isn't sovereign over. And so be encouraged this morning. I believe the Lord would encourage you with the reminder that even if you don't understand circumstances, stay in his word, keep watching and waiting. He's at work. He's at work. For those of you that maybe are exploring or maybe you don't even know if you believe in Jesus, I'd say do like Lee Strobel did. Go study it. the, The messenger, the angel said, come and see. And we would say, come and see, check it out, learn, ask us questions. We'd love to go over what's in this Bible with you because it'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. And then the Lord says, go and tell. And so for each one of us, there is good news to tell this morning. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. He died to offer you forgiveness so that you could have that ultimate peace that he died for, he came for, and he looks forward to spending the rest of eternity helping you walk into that peace that he's promised you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. And Lord, I pray that for anyone that's not sure which direction they would go. Would they believe Jesus is for real and true? Lord, or is it not? Lord, I just pray that you would show them that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the only way to life. And so, Lord, thank you for this message. Thank you for the comfort. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the peace that we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.